podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host, Sai. On the channel, you can find all sorts of podcasts from mental health to football to wrestling to UFC to MMA to football, anything you like. Movies, TV, films, three shows a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week. Video for every show at youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation and the audio shows at uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, all the usual podcasting apps. Uh, one of my favorite shows to record is my uh, unscripted and uncensored show. And I've got one coming up with the current Cage Warriors lightweight champ. Uh, he's also just signed with the UFC, which is Modestus. Bukasas, I can't pronounce his surname. I'm really sorry, Modestus. Um, <clears throat> we've also got uh, shows, uh, the other unscripted and uncensored shows. With uh, We've had some UFC guys, some footballers, some Cage Warriors guys, Bellator guys, boxers footballers and all sorts there's uh, always a lot of fun because uh, as this, as the title gives away no script no censor just the people sending in the questions and the talking points uh today's show is uh, going to talk about wrestling predominantly uh particularly with the royal rumble coming up this weekend as uh, as we record so i'm uh, very excited to talk about that with uh, my guest today who is uh, fightful.com's lead writer one of the hardest working guys in wrestling media podcaster and back for his two-time two two-time appearance on ace podcast nation it's mr jeremy lambert welcome my friend how are you good how are you appreciate you having me on Always a good time, mate. Always a good time. I don't ask everyone back, so, you know, think, <laughs> you, think yourself privileged. Well, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's a, it was a good time last time, and we got into a lot of mental health stuff last time, which is really fun because I don't get to talk about that too often, but we'll, we'll try to stick with strictly wrestling for everybody here today. Yeah, I mean, I was going to quickly ask you, like, just how you, how's, how's things going with that and stuff. Obviously, if people did see the, the previous show, they saw kind of what we talked about and all the different ins and outs of uh, both me and you, really. Yeah, uh, it's going it's going well. Much better place than I was last time. I think last time I it was like the, the year, two-year anniversary of when I tried suicide. And so I'd just written about it and... I, I was, we didn't even, you didn't even know I was going to write about it. I just wrote it. And then you're like, Hey, can, can we talk about this? Like, yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah, a much better place now. A lot of that has to do with, uh, where I'm at in my work life going, things going well there. And then a lot of therapy therapy is always good. And so, yeah, I'm in a really good spot right now. That's How are cool. you doing? Si? I'm good. I am. I, I gotta say, I am um, <clears throat> speaking to someone recently. I forget who it was. One of the guests who I'd had on, and we were kind of talking about mental health and stuff and things that we've been through. And then um, we somehow got onto like t-shirts and stuff um, for, for my podcast. And he said uh, that I should get a, a, a t-shirt with podcasting saved my life because <laughs> my mental health has got so much better in, since April when I started doing this April last year. Um, just from, I, didn't even, I, I couldn't even tell you why. It was just, it was something I wanted to do. 
Um, and I eventually kind of bit the bullet and did it after putting it off for a long time. And then it's kind of just rolled from there. And uh, yeah, this just helped greatly. I think like talking to people helps. And like, obviously I talk to people about all sorts of um, stuff. I haven't actually done um, a specific mental health show actually for a, probably since before Christmas. So I am due to do one, but um, I just had so much going on with cage fighters. I just had loads of cage fighters on recently, like a couple of guys from UFC and cage warriors and stuff. But I'm just happy to get guests, 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 and they're 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 up for coming, and they're always a good time. They, you know, they like to chat and talk about stuff, and they they they're very they're good for the unscripted and uncensored shows because they're not. Um, you put it like you know like if you spoke to someone from the wwe for instance they did they're all like there's certain subjects they won't touch there's certain yeah. things they wouldn't go into and they'll kind of toe the company line whereas what i found with like fighters is they just don't care they'll just talk about anything say anything um which always makes for it makes for more natural conversation but also like when people have cottoned on to that they just ask about all sorts of random shit and uh, it's always good but yeah yeah sorry i went off on a bit of a bit of a tangent but you've um you've launched uh, your own podcast alongside all your writing with uh my man joe joe holbert yeah. who also writes for fight for which is uh, i really enjoy your podcast actually appreciate it uh yeah the great joe holbert uh we've done two shows we sort of talk wrestling it's just kind of uh, a fun banter with Joe. We don't we don't stick to one topic the whole show. But I I've been doing podcasting for I don't know how long. Um, like the days of UFC. Yeah. I think I think our first my first podcast with my friend was on like five ounces of pain, and it was like before the Quentin Jackson and John Jones fight. So wow. that tells you how long ago it was. And so I've always just feel like I've done a podcast ever since then and now i'm on a good platform with with fightful and so joe and i have our own little podcast that everyone can check out on thursdays on fightful yeah and it's good who came up with the idea for that because you kind of like the general uh like idea or the consensus is you, you talk about a certain subject for about five minutes and you kind of scoot about a bit yeah, that that was mine. I was on uh, the Matt Riddle Medicine one night and just messaged Joe and I was like, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? Joe was into it. Joe and I did the, the booking TEW series for a couple of episodes and uh, some personal stuff got in the way and technologically, I just did not know what I was doing. We lost so much content because I was completely inept at it. Um, but, but fortunately Joe and I are both doing a lot better personally. And so we're, I just messaged him and we've always had good banter on Twitter. So I felt like he would be a, a good dance partner for a podcast and again, two weeks, but I'm really happy with the, the content that we've put out so far. Yeah. It's been, it's been real good. And um, yeah, like Joe's, Joe's easy to talk to as well, isn't he? He's like, he's, um, yeah. he's a good crack. Like, well, when, when he came on uh, on here, he was, we had a good, good chat about stuff um one of the other things we talked about the last time you came on was uh it was just after uh eric bischoff and uh paul Heyman were appointed uh and we discussed whether they were good appointments uh one of them is still there one of them is yeah. not 
Um, it kind of feels like Eric Bischoff was in and out of the door real quick. He he certainly was. And when I talked to Bischoff at, at StarCast, he basically just said, like, I wasn't there to do creative. And, you know, take of that what you will. I'm just like, all right, then what were you there for? Just to oversee things. Like, you watch Raw you see Paul Heyman's fingerprints on the show. You can tell he has a creative vision for the show. And with Bischoff, you never saw that. And, you know, whether that was he wasn't allowed to do that, whether that was he just wasn't invested enough to do that, depending on the reports you read and what he says. I I don't know. The truth might be somewhere in the middle. But I think Heyman's done great things with Raw. SmackDown is, I can kind of take or leave most, most weeks. Yes, yeah, uh, Raw's almost come, become like what SmackDown used to be with kind of the like the young guys and 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 all sorts of variant storylines. Um, but it's very focused. You can see that they're trying to focus on building new stars, which is something that they've needed to do on both Raw and SmackDown for years, um, and they haven't always done a great job of doing it outside of like a select few. Um, yeah, you never felt like there was never an episode of SmackDown where you looked at it and you thought, oh, I can see that Bischoff's been heavily involved in this. There was never one episode where you felt like he was involved, where, like you say, you know, Paul Heyman, pretty much every week you can see his hands over something or or some sort of segment or match or storyline like the Lana and uh, Rusev stuff. That's interesting. Stuff is- yeah, it, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it, it makes me want to watch. It, it entertains me on most weeks. And with the Bischoff stuff, you know, people thought he had his fingerprints on the, the Roman Reigns whodunit storyline because that's kind of a, a classic Bischoff trope from the WCW days. And, you know, he told us that, no, I, I wasn't involved in that at all. So it's like, all right, I mean, again, whether you believe that or not, it's up to you. That, that's just what he said. But that, like when that started, it could have been good, and they just they kind of half-heartedly, yeah, followed it through, and then and they, they, I feel like that's what hurts WWE's storytelling a lot, is they kind of drop things and don't follow things through. So if you do get invested in anything, you're not always convinced that you're going to see the kind of climax to that story. Um, I do hope that Rusev kind of gets like a bit of a push after this feud because he's got all the tools and no matter what they give him and do with him, no matter how stupid they've made him look, he gets over and the fans like him. And it just feels like he, by now he should have been like a world champion. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't know who doesn't like Rusev. Like you said, anything they throw at this guy he knocks out of the park, you know, he's had to be goofy. He's had to be serious all in just like this one angle. He's had to portray a lot of different emotions in in this angle with Lashley and Lana and now Liv Morgan. And he does it exceptionally every single, when he was on the the green screen the other week, like it's Rusev for Rusev day. (laughs) It's like awesome. Yeah. This guy rules. It would be great if, he he was given a world title run or some type of run, but the belts, uh, to me, like the belts don't mean as much anymore. Just as long as he's 
in good storylines and at the top of the card, which I think he is. I mean, he is right now. Like he's main eventing a lot of weeks or at least involved in the main event segment. Then he, he's doing pretty well. It'd be cool if he had a world title run, but the, the things get passed around so often nowadays. It feels like it almost feels like a, there's very rarely that instance of this guy earned a world title run. And Kofi Kingston is like the big exception here, but everyone else is just like, all right, it's just kind of your turn with the title. Yeah, I feel like Bray Wyatt fits into that category a bit where um, he kind of deserved it because they've dropped the ball so much with him. Um, And again, he's one of those guys where you look at him and he's got everything you need to be a a top guy and they just didn't seem to to be able to put it together from a storyline point of view. They did a lot of good stuff and then they just wouldn't, follow it through again or they would just do some really hokey stuff which wouldn't come off or like they did this really cool angle I always remember they did a really cool angle with the Wyatt family where they kidnapped Undertaker and Kane and it was like the show kind of finished with that and then it was like oh that's cool that's like that's how you should use the Wyatt family that's exactly what I want to see and then Kane and Undertaker turned up the next week as if nothing had happened (laughs) And it was just like, oh, well, that was the end of that. That, And they just kept that sort of undermining of his character happened so much. But I think in some ways, the undermining of his character and then dropping the ball with him made him more popular with fans, if that makes sense. Because they kind of rallied around him a bit. Yeah. Uh, I've called on Bray Wyatt personally i i was big into it at, at SummerSlam, the the first appearance of the fiend and then it almost felt like too much too soon with this guy can't be hurt you know they put it like the rollins feud didn't work for me they, then they put him with miz which not great the brian stuff is good and brian's another one of those guys where you throw that guy in anything and he's going to get it over because he just has that connection and he, he has that range of emotions that he can pull off anything um but but with Bray, yeah, I I love the early Wyatt stuff, like kidnapping the Undertaker, Kane, the, the stuff with John Cena, the the stuff with Brian. The problem was every big match he seemed to lose, and it's like, why should I care about this guy? Like he keeps telling me he's got the whole world in his hands, and then he loses all the damn time. So what what good is he? Well, you look at it like it looks like they. It looks like potentially they might do that again and have him lose at Mania. To, rumored to be like lose to a mania to Roman Reigns, which I don't think does anyone any favors because it's going to hurt the fiend because Bray Wyatt's going to lose at WrestleMania again, never won at WrestleMania. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's going to help Roman Reigns because they've kind of got people on side with him, but people really like the fiend really like the kind of the gimmick and stuff. There's some aspects of it, which, like you just said, that people maybe are a bit unsure about or a bit hot and cold on. But as as general rule, The Fiend is pretty popular. And I can't see the benefit to Roman Reigns beating him at Mania, if that's what they go with. Because um, I just feel, feel like it's going to hurt both of them. Uh, but, well, I suppose we'll have to wait and see on that front. Um, I do like... One aspect about the Fiend which I really enjoy is that they they've been quite consistent in the 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 storytelling in the the effect that it has 
after he has a feud with different different characters and different people. I feel like that's a really clever, clever part of the storytelling. And it also means if they ever want to turn someone heel or face or change their character, they can just have the fiend, you know, decimate them or attack them and they can go to a different brand or they can be repackaged or they can do that. It's like an easy out for them. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like the, the Miz thing, his babyface run was god-awful. Uh, one of the worst babyface runs I've, I've seen, honestly. Like from losing to Shane McMahon at every turn to just not being on television to the, the stuff with The Fiend, like nothing hit home for me. That I mean, losing to Shane McMahon right out of the gate pretty much killed it dead immediately yeah. for me. So I was glad that he turned back heel. And I think using the, the fiend thing was a good way to do it. And then Morrison coming back uh, added an extra dimension to that. So I did like that. And then, like you said, Rollins, he turned heel off of the fiend thing. And they are doing a nice job explaining like, hey, these are the guys the fiend beat. Now they're having a change of character here. Like it is more long-term storytelling that you're that you're not used to. Even Brian, you know, he went back to the yes movement because that's what he felt he had to do. So I do like that aspect of The Fiend. And it is, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of an out. Like, hey, we can just turn these guys, get them repackaged just based on what The Fiend is doing. But it also builds towards the aura of The Fiend as well. Indeed. So sticking part, partially on the... Um kind of Wyatt family thing. Um, Eric Rowan, what's in the cage? <laughs> I have no idea. I hope it's cat dog from the Nickelodeon show. <laughs> that That's my guess. I I have no idea. Maybe it's Daniel Bryan's hair now since was... they were together. <laughs> so my idea was they should get the guy who made Bray Wyatt's lantern mm-hmm. to make Luke Harper's head. And he should just carry around Luke Harper's head <laughs> And just like talk to it and act like it's like alive and talking to him. And I feel like that could be quite interesting and quite funny, but also, you know, a bit weird and kind of play into his character. But outside of that, I can't really think of what's going to be in it that won't be just stupid. (laughs) And that's the problem, isn't it? Now where like there's nothing which they can really do where you think, okay, that could be quite interesting. It's yeah. Like, if they, if it's like a rat or something, it's just going to be like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I like the Luke Harper's head idea. I, they, they've got to do something like that. I feel like some type of like psychopathic thing like that to, to really not make this disappointing. Like if it's just some like lizard, animal, snake, whatever, it's just going to be like, okay, you know, what, what does this add? What does this do? And they've also dragged it out so long that it's like get to the reveal already yeah. because, you know, you're only setting yourself up for more disappointment by continually dragging it on like this if you don't have something big that you're going to deliver. And maybe they have something. I don't know. Maybe maybe they are going to have Luke Harper's head. Maybe they're going to have Bray Wyatt's head. Maybe maybe they're going to have Braun Strowman's head. I can only think of Wyatt family. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to have The Rock's head since The Rock beat him in, in three seconds at WrestleMania. Uh, maybe they can do something like that. But I don't have any faith that that's what they're going to do. No, if it's The Rock's head, hopefully it'll be like Rocky Maivia. 
or like <laughs> like a really early version of the rock which looks the nothing rock, like him yeah the the rock's head with the sunglasses i, I want the i want the like cool dressed up rock with the 500 dollar shirt and everything yeah, like classic. i realize that wouldn't be on a head but like that make him have it wear, wear it as a bandana or something yeah yeah, I just can't see where they're going to go with it, which is a shame because I feel like Eric Rowan could be a really interesting psychopathic monster type character. I feel like he could have a really good feud with Braun Strowman and and I feel like he could be a useful heel character for them in the kind of upper mid card. And then you can kind of, if he's getting over, you can move him up. If he's not, you can just kind of leave him as that kind of gatekeeper heel before people go to the you know someone they can beat in a feud before they move up to a title feud or something like that but i feel like he's got enough potential to do something with but i just think they don't know what to do with him if that makes sense well on the on the being a psychopath like and going back to the roman reigns thing he was the one who tried to murder Roman Reigns. Like yeah. that was the payoff to that whole thing. So we know that he's not afraid to try to kill somebody, to try to kill the biggest star in the company. So if he is like some sort of psychopath that has a, a severed head or a severed hand or whatever that, that might be in there, who knows, then it works. Like it can, it can totally work and you can portray him as such. Don't turn him into a comedy act off yeah. of that. Yeah, and I feel like the severed head thing with like if it was it's particularly if it's Luke Harper, which is his like tag team partner, which is lot you know gone, and there's loads of links there. I feel like you can have aspects of comedy in it without it being like a real like comedy segment. If that makes sense. Which of all you know all the best best segments and best promos have got that kind of. Uh, like that hint of humor sometimes, especially if it's kind of like dark humor or whatnot. But I'd have no confidence that they're going to be able to do that. I have no confidence that they would do that anyway, just as as a gimmick, even though I think it would be quite good. You said yourself you think it would be quite interesting and quite cool. You, I just can't see them doing it. Um, no. Well, you mentioned that, that you can do aspects of comedy. I don't know if you've seen the the Netflix docu series. It's a mini thing. Uh, don't f with cats. Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, like that thing was fascinating to me. By the way, um, and like that that whole guy, like he was he was clearly a psychopathic killer and like very, I don't know. It, but if you haven't seen it, everybody go watch it because it rules. And but there was like comedy aspects of like everything he was trying to pull off, like trying to be a model and going to these gigs and stuff. Is like this guy is so over the top narcissistic that you can't help but laugh. But and you know, recreating movies and stuff. Sorry to spoil everything, but it, you know, all this stuff. And then, but at the same time, it's like it's like comedy, but he's also like a legit murderer and, and killer and completely nuts so out of his mind. And like you can do something with that like uh like that with luke harper or with like eric rowan potentially i i don't think they're going to but it is it is a thing where you can blend comedy and you know something dark and serious like that you just have to pull it off in the right way and wwe not always the best at doing that 
yeah, they're not not always the best at pulling off comedy full stop, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, a lot of the comedy which they do pull off is not meant to be comedy. Uh, it's normally the stuff which they're trying to portray as serious, but it comes off as comedy to everyone else. But um, one thing which is normally good is NXT. Um, this this Saturday, as we record this, you've got the uh, World Clyde kind of uh, takeover type thing. Uh, I'm quite excited by it. I, I really like some of the matches. I just think it's 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 something to watch. It's something interesting. Um, so you've got like an eight man tag match with Undisputed Era versus Imperium, which to me straight away that's that's going to be good. You know, Walter's incredible. Um, and then you've got the Undisputed Era, which are really, really over and really entertaining. You looking forward to this uh, this little impromptu almost show? Yeah, it's there's not a lot of like complete heat behind all of these matches, and they they've tried in the the last couple of weeks, like the Undisputed Era attacking Imperium to close out the the UK Takeover show, uh, building up Ripley and, and Storm, uh, Balor and and Ilja. They, they've done some promos with them, but like these are matches that you're not going to see often. If yeah. you know, who knows when you're going to see a lot of these matches ever again. And I think that's the the intrigue behind it. And the, the talent pool is so rich in NXT and NXT UK that the majority crazy, of these matches are going to be really good as well. Yeah, it's, it is. The talent is just incredible. Like, if you think of the talent which is not on the card, yeah, it's just unbelievable. But I mean, like, when I saw that uh I was facing Dragonoff straight away I was like that's going to be a really good match that's going to be a proper hard hitting Finn's going to work like he used to work in Japan and just be you know quite aggressive and how he has been really for the since he turned heel and again you, you, the women's match they've worked together a lot that's going to be good and then you've got DIY as well versus Mustache Mountain which I think probably will open the show and th- NXT's got a very good knack of having crazy good tag team matches opening, you know, their their specials. Um, is there anything on that show which you're kind of not looking forward to? Um, I feel bad that Kaylee Ray and Mia Yim are on the pre-show. I mean, Kaylee Ray's your NXT UK women's champion and you're just sticking her on the pre-show. And on one hand, like if WWE had built pre-shows to mean something and be like okay like this is a reason to tune into the pre-show but everybody has pretty much come to a consensus that the pre-shows don't matter and so it makes it feel like this match doesn't matter you mentioned the diy and mustache mountain match i can't wait for that cannot wait uh all four of those guys are awesome we haven't seen diy since the the dusty classic uh last year when gargano did the pseudo turn i guess but then you know champa hurt his neck champa comes back gargano gets hurt like i can't wait to see those two together again and seven and bait are awesome and yeah i'm with you that that'll probably open the show because they love their tag team matches that open and that match is going to just be an absolute banger yeah, it's going to rock. I think um, my argument has always been for the pre-shows is if they built them kind of like the UFC does where they build up to like a main event of the pre-show and they had... So like if, you, if you've if you got a two-hour pre-show, if they had like, say, three or four matches and then a main event or f- three matches and then a main event and you build into the show, I feel like that could be of interest to the audience 
because I know I'd rather see some of the talent that gets left, left off pay-per-views and cards in matches on a pre-show over seeing the same video packages that I've already seen a million times and, you know, like Booker T and Rene or whoever talking about it, the matches later on in the show, which I kind of, I can take or leave that. Whereas if they gave me some matches, so like on the Rumble card, if you had like some matches with like Apollo Crews versus, I don't know, I can try to think of someone now, but like, you know, just two really good workers who, and you could start, if you had regular pre-shows um, where you worked with that concept, you could build lower card feuds towards those matches because you'd have pay-per-view matches to, you know, to settle the feuds. Whereas I feel like WWE has lost the art of lower card feuds. Um, I just, I don't know whether it's just one of those, like where I remember it more fondly from when I was younger, but like in the Attitude Era, I remember there being feuds all throughout the card. So even like your, your real lower card guys, they were in feuds with each other. Then you'd have your mid card feuds and then you'd have your, like your intercontinental title feuds and then you'd have your title feuds and your McMahon and Austin and stuff like that. Like, I feel like they've lost the art of building the lower card guys in actual meaningful stories and feuds. Yeah. Ember Moon said the same thing in a recent interview. She was just like, we've lost the ability to tell stories on the lower card and the examples she gives. And one of the best examples out there is crash Holly with the, the weight set, yeah. you know, he carried around the weights. He, he said he was a heavyweight and all this stuff. And it's like, this is a, lower card maybe mid card gimmick and you know act but it's something identifiable like you know what crash holly is you know his purpose you you get like uh if sean is listening to this he'll he'll maybe he'll give me a raise humberto carrillo mm-hmm. no one knows what this guy is all about he just shows up and uh, he's got his dimples and and that's it you know you know what what is his purpose? And it's a lot, it's like that with a lot of these lower card guys. It's just, they're there. What, what are they actually doing? I think they've gotten a little bit better at this to try to give some stuff, some, some purpose, but it's still, especially in the women's division. Like if you're not fighting for that title, you don't feel very meaningful in the women's division on raw and SmackDown right now. Like what, what is Charlotte Flair doing right now like we're talking about charlotte flair arguably the second biggest star in the women's division and she's just kind of there right now yeah yeah they they've done that with the women's division specifically for the last few years where you just like raw and smackdown have got like one women's feud each really and then you might have a tag team feud if you're lucky and often they they rope in the champions of the brand into the tag team feud anyway. So you don't even get kind of like two feuds on a brand. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And what's frustrating about it is there's so many women and men in the WWE who could legit in the lower card or not on TV, who could legitimately be very entertaining. You know, you look at like, like guys like Eric Young and EC3 and, all these guys who are not on TV 
who can be really entertaining and have really good lower card or mid card feuds and storylines. And some of them, you feel like if they were given that opportunity, they'd probably get over really, really well, like Crash Holly did back in the day. Um, I mean, just just look at what our truth has done with the twenty four seven title. It, you know, this guy is one of the most entertaining things on the show every week, and I think they've actually dropped the ball with that recently because this is the way you can get these lower card people on there and just do like segments. Like they they did a really good job early with the twenty four seven title of posting stuff on social media whether it was the Jinder Mahal uh, winning it on the tarmac or Archie pinning him on the plane, the Drake Maverick wedding stuff. Like a lot of, a lot of this stuff didn't always make um, the, the television product, but it was always on YouTube and it did huge YouTube numbers for the company. And now it's been reduced to raw and it's 24 seven. Why is it only defended on one show? I, I don't yeah. understand that at all. Like our truth mojo, whoever's holding it, they should be showing up every single show, every single week, raw SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK. I realize this might cost the company a little bit of extra money. I think they can afford it at the moment. Um, but like they should be there and they should help get those guys who aren't on TV, just get them on TV. And you know, the, when this stuff first started, the, the big thing was everyone was really happy with it because they were allowed to just kind of do their own thing. Like they didn't have like the, the stuff that R-Truth and Maverick and Matt Hardy and all these guys were pitching, they, they were just allowed to do it. They, they didn't have a bunch of writers for them and stuff. It was just, hey, go out there, do it, make it entertaining. And that's what they could do. And now like they're not even doing that with the title. So I think they could do more with that title of just making it – you know, help getting guys on TV, help just making entertaining segments, help boost the YouTube. Like there, there's so many things you can do with that title. Yeah, big time. I, th- I, I quite like the idea now that they've given it to Mojo and I like his kind of persona of saying, I'm not going to run, I'll fight anyone. And I like that as like a bit of a twist on it to something different to just having, because all they've done with it since those early segments were stopped is they just occasionally have a load of people run through at the end of a match or during a match. It's like, it's not very creative. (laughs) It's just like a load of people who are not on TV running after the champion. Um, So I quite like Mojo. I wish they would do something with Mojo because he's again, a guy who can be very entertaining. He can, he can speak on the mic. He can work. And I quite like the twist on it just by him saying, I'm not going to run you know, and, and see where they go with that. But, you know, as we've said several times already, you wouldn't hold your breath that they will do anything too creative with it, shall we say. Yeah, have Mojo show up on SmackDown. Like, if he's not going to run from anybody, just show up on SmackDown and be like, I'm here, come come after me, come after my title. Yep, yep absolutely. Show up on NXT. That would yeah. be just something different. Um. So what you mentioned just there was Matt Hardy. Have, have you been watching the, the, the free, free the delete uh, stuff? Yeah. It, Matt's one of those guys who creatively, he is one of like just a genius. I, I don't want to throw that term around, but in wrestling terms, I do feel like he is a genius with just everything that, that he has created throughout his whole career. Like he's always kind of 
done some reinvention stuff and some of it has, has stuck some of it not so much but like the broken universe stuff was amazing and it's what got him back in wwe essentially and then they didn't do anything with it they were just like we just want you to be the hardy boys and then jeff got hurt and so they couldn't be the hardy boys so matt got on the shelf and you know matt is i hope he finds whatever he's looking for when his contract is up in march you know wherever that might be but whoever gets him just just let him be matt hardy and just let him utilize his ideas and i think whoever does get him will allow that to happen yeah my idea when i was doing my shows with um andrew was just before christmas the man uh, andrew thompson yeah the dude, he uh, was like a regular show. Would like when I get uh, started with Andrew, it was just like, oh yeah, we'll just do a show every now and again, talk some wrestling and whatever. Then we developed to like pay per view shows, and now we do a show pretty much every week. So there we go. It's just about, but we get on really well. So we just have a lot of fun, just talking wrestling and stuff. So uh, shout out to my man Andy T. Yes. But uh, so my idea when I was talking to him was from. For them to give Matt, a way to give Matt Hardy a really good send off, assuming he is going to leave in March, which I think everyone kind of is assuming. Um, and you know, WWE is not naive; they they are probably well aware that he's going to leave. Um, my idea was that they should have had him feud with the Fiend and do like this big light versus dark, uh, broken versus Fiend thing where they just and have like the last chapter of the great war and and have all this you know all this dramatic stuff which he comes up with and all this terminology and if you think how he could sell that kind of that light versus dark and all the uh <clears throat> you know all the all the the words and the the kind of phrases that he seems to come up with I feel like that could have been really entertaining maybe over christmas or into early january maybe just to, you know, tie over like where they had that Miz feud, where it was clearly just a short-term feud to to break up the Daniel Bart Bryan match. So they didn't, you know, because they wanted to do it at the Rumble. So they had the Miz do the short feud, and obviously it coincided with wanting to turn the Miz heel, which is fine. But I feel like they could have given Matt a really good send-off with a big feud with the, the Fiend before the Rumble. But maybe they didn't want him to get hot and then leave. So I, was, I can see that as well. But then, I, you know, if the fiend would have, could have, could have, and would have, you know, squashed him and beaten him, you know. But it would have been an entertaining few weeks to do. I think if they'd done that with Matt, he might have ended up sticking around because the guy Just from creativity, from, he wants to be yeah. used clev, clev, like cleverly and creatively. Exactly. So. Here's a question for you, which is which really interesting to me. Um, so you've got like Matt Hardy and the Revival, both look potentially like they're going to leave, but they'd not leave him because of, uh, because of money or because they want a big push for themselves. It's purely because they want creativity, whether it's the Revival want the tag team title, uh, the tag team division to be create creatively satisfying and and better booked and and you know an integral part of the show and Matt Hardy wants to just be you know have his creativity utilized and and feel 
um, as if he's. I feel. I feel like he just wants to be feel like he's using his brain and using his ideas and stuff. And I, you know, they're missing a trick by by utilizing his wrestling brain, obviously. But it's an interesting time, isn't it? Because you know, years ago people left because they either weren't getting a push or they weren't getting the money they wanted. It was not really about creativity or creative satisfaction. Yeah, with with you know Matt Hardy and the revival, like the, they're going to get money wherever they go. Um, whether it's AEW, ROH is, is paying pretty well right now. We've heard reports Impact is paying pretty well. So I don't think money is the issue with for them. They they want to wrestle, they want to work, and they they want to be utilized how they think they should be utilized. They want to put their brain at work because the revival, you know, they love tag team wrestling. So they just want a good, strong tag team division. And I think that's why should they leave, they end up in AEW. Matt Hardy, I don't know if he's going to end up in AEW because they, they have a lot going on. Maybe he'll be the dark, uh, dark order leader. Um, I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> really, really hope not. He could save that whole thing, honestly. Like, if anybody could save that, Matt Hardy could probably save it. But it could also go against him as well. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, Matt Hardy just wants to utilize his brain creatively. But then you've got guys on the other side. Like, you you, you know, people, everyone, everyone predicts it's like doom and gloom for WWE. Everybody's going to leave. Everybody's going to leave. And then you got everybody re-signing these contracts, like Street Profits just resigned, Due Day just resigned, um, Miz just resigned. Who's that? The club. Yeah, yeah. The 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 club just re- like all these guys are are resigning contracts. And the thing is, like, I, I'm sure they want to be creative as well. People are like, oh, well, Kofi's going to resign, and you know he's going to get buried now because he's never going to win the title again. And he's just going to you know be a tag team guy. He's going to throw pancakes, whatever. Blah blah blah. Like people forget just the platform WWE has and how that is enough for people like AEW. You're, you're not getting the, these movie roles uh, that WWE can get you. You're not getting your, your weekly podcast that WWE is now doing. You're not getting these shows on the network. Like people are just happy with a lot of that stuff. And you know, the money is great as well, but WWE gives you such a huge platform to where if you want to go off and do other things, then you can where, but some of these guys, they just want to wrestle the revival. Just want to wrestle Mike Kanellis. You know, he signed a big deal. He thought he was going to be utilized better and he wasn't. And he's like, well, I want out now because he just wants to wrestle. So it depends on the mindset for a lot of these people. I don't think any company is in a doom or gloom place. And the thing the thing with if you keep if you keep signing these talents like AEW, let's say they're going to add, you know, they're reportedly in talks with Lance Archer. They're reportedly signed Brian Cage. Maybe they get the revival. Maybe they get Matt Hardy. That's going to push some of those other guys down. And then those yeah. that you know those guys there might get a little frustrated and be like, well, I want to see what else is out there. So it all just creates this like competitive environment. And fortunately, there's enough places to work and enough places who could utilize guys like this to where the people are going to be satisfied and, and happy no matter where they end up. I feel like as far as just as long as they can get out of their contract and, and be okay, but they're going to be satisfied with their choice. Yeah, for sure. I um. As long as I get to see the revival in the NWA once, I'll be happy. Just for a short run, I'll be happy. I think it'll happen, too. I, you know, if the revival leave, assuming they leave, 
I think they will potentially do like a small little indie run that includes like the NWA and some ROH shows. And then they'll eventually end up in AEW because that's, I think they know that's where they can be at their, their happiest. Yeah. I think if WWE was clever, they'd sign some really good young tag teams. I feel like, or even just utilize some of the tag teams from NXT and and just book the tag division as like an upper card uh, title, which matters. Like they, do you know what I compare it to? Is like they used to do with the Intercontinental title back in the day. If they had the tag team titles in that slot and on the pay-per-views, they were getting 20, 25 minutes matches. I feel like, the revival would be happy to stay because they can have their big contracts. And I, I don't feel like they're like desperate to necessarily get out of there and leave. I just feel like they want to be satisfied um, that they're not just going to be the tag division is just not an afterthought all the time. And tag team wrestling, I think has been proven over the last couple of years with NXT and with AEW. It can be spectacular. And it can be a real uh, unique attraction, which is not like any other wrestling. And uh, that's what I really look at. And I think NXT made me, and funny enough, it was the Revival's run in NXT made me fall back in love with tag team wrestling. Like some of the matches they had on NXT, the Revival versus DIY. And it was just, they were just so spectacular and exciting. Um, And I I feel like if WWE would, utilize that on the main roster or the raw and smackdown i think they i do think that there's a chance they would stay as opposed to everyone just thinks oh they're going to AEW. that's it yeah they have the tag teams it's not an issue of not having the tag teams you look at the the smackdown tag team division right now you've got the revival you've got the new day heavy machinery is getting over miz and morrison are now there you could, yeah, the Usos are back in the mix. Ziggler and, and Rude, sure. Um, Ali and Gable were a thing for a couple of weeks. Like, you you have the talent to put together a strong tag team division. It's just they're not really doing it. Yep. And then you've got, you know, in NXT, you've got, like, Undisputed Era, Imperium. I feel, you know, um, you've got the Street Profits on Raw. You've it's never ending the talent list they've got. Um, they just don't seem to want to utilize it. Um, so one of the things I want to ask you about uh, is the, it's obviously it's Royal Rumble weekend as we're going to record this. I'm not sure when I'm going to put this out. Um, I might put it out on Saturday, actually. Uh, so Royal Rumble weekend. What's the, if I said to you, like, what's the most memorable, what's your most memorable moment in the Royal Rumble ever? Like whether it's a pop or like a return or a, or someone winning. My my top one is is John Cena's return in 08 because I didn't see it coming. You know, all the rumors had him out for months. I mean, at least until WrestleMania, and then it's Madison Square Garden as well. Like 
he just shows up the the music hits triple h gives his you know shocked face and he just has that look on his face like i'm here i'm back what are you gonna do about it and i'm a huge cena fan like i've always been a huge cena fan you can rip on me if you want don't care john cena's the goat uh so when he returned like I, I watched that in like college and I remember just going like crazy in my dorm room because I was alone because I'm a loser. And <laughs> like, I was just like, yes, John Cena's back. Like, this is awesome. And yeah, that, that's my, that's my all time favorite rumble moment. Yeah. That's up there for me. Um, mine is actually AJ Styles um, debut. I just, that was one of those moments where when I was watching it, I'd managed to stay away from the spoilers because I watched it in the morning, like a few hours later. I'd managed to stay away from the spoilers. I knew nothing about the show. I was just watching it. And it just, when the music hit, I was like, mm, don't know who that is. Then it said, like, I'm phenomenal on the thing. And you hear the crowd go nuts. And you could, it was one of those moments where even in the moment, you knew that it was like really special. You know, like when the Hardys came back at WrestleMania as well, like that pop was so genuine and so pure. It was just, people were just so happy to see like AJ Styles in the WWE finally. Um, that was special for me. And uh, it's like three years ago now, which is crazy. Um, yeah, it's it was 2016, I think. So yeah. four years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jesus. I, I remember that, and I, I was always a huge AJ fan uh, throughout his early ROH days and, and throughout Impact and then on to New Japan. The, the thing that took away from that moment for me is it was on the same time as the NFC title game, uh, okay. NFL, and my Carolina Panthers were playing. So I was oh, like no. – my attention was in two different places. And so I just like randomly saw that AJ was on WWE, was on the rumble. Like, ring, Holy, yeah. <laughs> like, what? AJ is there, but I was trying to watch the Panthers game. And so, but yeah, that was, that was a great moment as well. That was, I went back and watched cause they, I, unbelievably WWE cocked up the, yeah. the camera angle. <laughs> so they didn't even catch like the screen change into from, I am phenomenal which is when the crowd pops to AJ Styles and then him coming out, they missed it. So they had to put out this thing on social media saying, oh, another angle. And it's like, yeah. no, it's the, it's the angle, which you completely missed. But like they booked AJ Styles strong right out the gates. They like, for someone who supposedly hadn't gone there because of his size and because, you know, Vince didn't think he was up to it or whatever, you know, the various reasons over the years. They they booked him strong from day one. Even in the rumble, he had a good um, he had a good showing in the rumble. He was face to face with Roman Reigns. He teased the style class styles clash on Roman Reigns, and then you know he beat Cena clean. He beat Reigns. He beat he was WWE champion pretty quickly. I they've think... done like they've done a great job with AJ. Any concerns of they're gonna screw this guy up? I think they're alleviated. Pretty quickly, the loss to Jericho at the first WrestleMania. Yeah, that was yeah. the one, wasn't it? Yeah, I wasn't like a huge fan of that, but uh, like Jericho's logic is, you know, he shouldn't come in and, and win right away. It's like, yeah, he probably should. Um, yeah. But but I I've been really impressed with how they've 
booked AJ and just making him feel like a big deal each and every time uh, out for four years now. Like I've never felt like they're not doing right by AJ Styles. I've never felt like this guy is lower than he should be. It always feels like he's a featured player every week and right where he should be. Yeah, I think the what the only thing which I think they've dropped the ball on is the is the club, whereby yeah. I feel like because they kept splitting them up and then putting them back together, and I feel like that hurt them. Whereas I feel like if they had had a good run with that first run with AJ and Gallows and Anderson just turned face, they would look in. The crowd was really getting into them. They were quite funny, and it was going well. And then all of a sudden, they just moved them in the brand split and split them up, and then they put. Finn with Gallows and Anderson for a really short run. They were just starting to get really entertaining. And then they split them up. And it was like, just put all four of them together, give them like a really good run, and they could be a great stable. Um, And I felt sorry for Gallows and Anderson because I do feel like, you know, I don't feel too sorry for them. They've just signed massive contracts and Carl Anderson's living in his mansion with his pool and stuff. but. You know what I mean? Like from a storyline perspective, I do feel like they could have, like their first feud with the Usos was really good when they came in and they, they had some good matches. And I feel like they've never shown what Gallows and Anderson, particularly Carl Anderson, can do in the ring. Like I feel like Carl Anderson could be a good kind of US champion or even if he didn't win the title, he could be in the mix for the, you know, for like if they do a, like a ladder match for the US title he'd be a good a good competitor for that or I felt like he could have gone in the cruiserweight you know 205 live as well I thought he could really show what he could do Uh, I think (laughs) they had they was they had incredible matches on that yeah Um, the cruiserweight classic badly badly uh, like advertised and badly branded the actual matches were pretty good. Um, and on NXT, the cruiserweights have been awesome. Yeah, 205 Live is a death sentence, though, yeah, for course. anybody oh, yeah, right no, now. <laughs> but, like, you could put, you could have could have had him in, like, a cruiserweight match on Raw, for instance. Yeah. And, and have whoever they're feuding within the tag team screw him over as he's about to win the title. Or, you know, just, but just stuff's to, ways to, like, to, to show people that he's not just AJ Styles or Finn Balor's lackey. Like, they've got character and, and, and ring ability in their own right. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that's another, like, missed opportunity with just the tag team division. Like, they've got the talent to really boost a, a strong tag team division, and they're not always doing that. Um. Okay, so to finish off, um, I would like to do some predictions for the Royal Rumble, but in a minute uh, we'll do them because I wanted to ask you some kind of quick-fire questions, if you don't mind, where you just give a a quick answer. It doesn't have to be like a one-word answer, but just like first kind of thing which comes to your head. Uh, Tell me three things that AEW are doing badly and why. The women's division, because... It sucks. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not good. Uh, they're, they're putting Should too be. much focus on the, uh, the the nightmare collective stuff. I, I don't. 
I have no investment in their women's division. I don't like the power rankings. I think that's a missed opportunity there. Um, it's not as good do, as yours. That's why. Thank I, you. <laughs> that's what it is, though. It's, it's just not as good as the ones that you do com- compared to uh, I try to do real sports power rankings. I think they could just do more with it, honestly. And um, some of the production stuff, I'm not like a, a huge fan of. Kind of, kind of. I guess the production slash layout of matches, I'm not a huge yeah. fan of all the time. So I think that's three things that they're doing poor. The first two, I can really just leave and never comment on again, and I would be happy at the moment. Uh, the last one is more of a nitpicking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and three things that you think they're doing really well, and why? The presentation of Cody. Cody is I, I he the was baby face. Yeah, he was my he was my wrestler of the year for for 2019. Just everything he did connected with me. I, I loved not 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 so much in ring, but overall performance. I had Cody. Um, Will Osprey was in ring for me. Um, so so Cody, I, the presentation of John Moxley, the presentation of John of uh, Chris Jericho, the presentation of their like really top guys. Those three is good. Maybe not so much Omega and the Bucks sometimes, but those three really good. I like the I like the overall trying to differentiate themselves with, you know, Bash at the Beach they they've done. They're doing the by the time people listen to this, they they'll have done the Jericho Cruise. So they're trying like different uh settings and I really enjoy that. And for the most part, I, I like their angles like i think they they're telling good stories for the most part there's some stuff that doesn't always hit with me but mostly it it connects with me cool in 60 seconds or less tell me how you would rescue the dark order storyline drop it without dropping it (laughs) matt hardy matt hardy that's good yeah i think that's a fair answer um cm punk Will he be at the Rumble? Yes or no? Uh, he might be there. I don't no, think he's no, going to no. be in it, though. <laughs> no? No, I don't think he's going to be in the Rumble. Would he get a bigger pop than the Hardys at WrestleMania and AJ Styles at the 2016 Rumble? Yes. I, I think Punk's pop would rival just about anything they've done. I think only The Rock would get a similar. And I don't even know if he would now because... Like he's been back a couple of times, I cannot think of anyone who would get a bigger pop. Yeah, that cult of personality hits, crowds going crazy. If he does, if he comes back for this WrestleMania, say not necessarily this Royal Rumble, um, who would you feud him with? Um, man. Oh, I tell you, you can give three choices of who you feud him with if you tell me why. I, I like Brian just because it's it's Punk and Brian. Punk has even said like he wishes he had that WrestleMania match with Brian. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Seth Rollins just because there's something there, and especially Rollins as a heel now is really yeah. good. And I think Punk can really cut into him, and Rollins can cut back um, with their their two dynamics. And then the last one, Triple H, so we could just bury him finally because that's what he wants. Yeah, I think him and Triple H, if they they um, like they'd have to probably work around some legal jargon and stuff. But I feel <laughs> like the promos could be sensational. 
I really yeah. do feel, feel like they could be, they could take you back to a foregone era. Um, in because especially because he's Triple H, he doesn't give a shit because he's basically the boss, and CM Punk doesn't give a shit because he's CM Punk. You feel like those those promos could be golden, and yeah. if that's the match, that would probably main event. Which I think Punk, I think that's the one thing which would get him back more than, you know, he'll get a boatload of money anyway. But I think main event in WrestleMania finally is the one thing he never did. And I do think that that's probably grips his. Grips. It, it, cer- it certainly does, based on you know past interviews. I don't know where his headspace is nowadays, but he's back in the bubble now, though, isn't he? And I yeah. think that's. It makes it more likely than unlike than than before. I'd say it's about as as definitive as you can get, isn't it? I don't think he's coming back at the Rumble. I do think he wrestles at WrestleMania. I do too. I I I, I would love to see him win the rumble but uh, so all right let's move to the rumble move to the rumble um have you got a particular favorite rumble ever like one where you think uh, the one that sticks out so this is going to be an odd answer that everybody's going to be like why is this your pick 1995 and it sticks out because it was the first one that i ever saw and I was just like, oh, this is a cool little gimmick Royal Rumble thing here. Like, I didn't know what it was. It, it also, like, that's when I became a Shawn Michaels fan. Cause him and is that Bulldog, when Shawn Michaels won? Yeah, yeah. Him and Bulldog yeah, came in one it, and yeah. two and were and lasted to the very end. And I was like, oh, this is like, it's not a good Rumble. Like, I've watched it back. It's not good at all. Like, there's not much to it. And people at that time were essentially like, yeah, everyone kind of knew Michaels was going to win, and that's why they had to make it number one, so there was some interest yeah. in it. But it's still, like, you know, d- however old I-, I was, I wasn't even 10 yet. Like, seven-year-old me watching that is like, this is the coolest thing ever. So that's, like, my big rumble memory is is my, my first one. As far as, like, 30-year-old me, um, a big rumble memory, still 2018, uh, or not 2018, 2008, because that one with, with the Cena stuff, just the, the entire story of that was really good. Uh, 2004 with um, He Who Shall Not Be Named uh, mm-hmm. winning it was was a really good story. 92 is obviously a, a favorite amongst many, uh, myself included. And the the women's Royal Rumble, the, the first one was really strong as well. Yeah, the Shawn Michaels one um, is my favorite because – it's, that's the first time I remember being pissed off about like, <laughs> wrestling because obviously I was British and back in those days the British Bulldog was like was the only British uh, wrestler really you know in the WWF and I really thought he'd won. I'm trying to get some light in here. Yeah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and then um, I know I really thought he'd won because he chucked Sean over and I'm like yeah, and no. He came back, and yeah, that was that. That always will stick out for me, because Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog were my favourite two wrestlers, and um, and <clears throat> I'll take this opportunity to say that the Hart Foundation, when they put the Hart Foundation into the Hall of Fame, they should have put Brian Pillman and the British Bulldog in as well. They should have put that that version in. Um, I feel like that was a mixed missed opportunity. Um, okay, let's finish off. With some rumble predictions. Rumbling, rumbling, rumbling. So 
I've got a card, Fightful.com, written by some some jabroni. <laughs> oh no, it's not. It's, I, I do it's probably under Fightful I, staff or somebody. No, I apologize. It's written by Carlos, who's a real cool dude. Uh, oh. trying to get to come on my podcast so <laughs> i was i was implying that it was written by you but it was <laughs> damn he's never going to come on my podcast now um i'll put in a good word thank you i appreciate that uh he's like him and alex are like the only two i think now on my list polaski's just gonna yell at you the whole time some of the right i feel like me and me and me and alex could do like two hours of sour graps yeah and just slam everything but <laughs> You know, I just, the thing is, I sometimes feel like I'm being really negative, but then I just think, no, I just give an honest opinion of what I think of stuff. And, and the mo- there's loads of stuff that I really like. I really like Fiend. I really like what they're doing with Andrade. I really like uh, Bailey. I really like the Kabuki Warriors and stuff. Daniel Bryan. There's loads of stuff I like, but people sometimes only hear the stuff that you say you don't like. But Definitely. And I'll always criticize bad storytelling. And WWE has a lot of that. Okay. Uh, so we've got a WWE United States Championship match. Uh, Andrade versus Umberto Carrillo. I, I, think I think it's too early to take the, the title off of Andrade. I hope Andrade wins. And then Sean can be mad that Umberto just lost again. Yeah, I want... Um, Andrade to have a really, really long run as champion. I really want them to cement him. I'd like him to bring back the open challenge as well. Like I'd like him almost to have like a year till this time next year, lose it at the Rumble, win the Rumble, and go into next year's WrestleMania for the title. I feel like he's that talented um, and that good, but I don't believe for a second they'll do that because he doesn't speak good enough English, which is a shitty reason. Uh, however, if Umberto won, it would be funny to watch head, Sean's head explode on the podcast. So. <laughs> we're, we're making him uh, write the story. If Sean does, rarely does news posts anymore, but if Umberto wins, uh, we, we've voted to, to make him write that story. <laughs> Excellent. Good, good shout. Um, Shorty G versus Seamus. Seamus is probably going to win pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good match for Seamus coming back after such a long time out. Like, Gable's so good in the ring, isn't he? So it's it's a good way to protect him and give him a win. But also, just with a good worker to make sure he's safe and stuff. Um, I'm just... I've never been a massive fan of uh, Seamus. I don't know why. He just something doesn't connect with him. Um, he seems like a really genuinely nice person and he seems like a cool guy, but his character just has never really clicked for me. And I I'd really admire his dedication to it, like with the sunblock and making sure he's pasty white. I just, yeah, it just, he just doesn't connect for me. Um, I've always thought him and Drew Galloway, Drew uh, McIntyre would be a good start to like a British stable they could get like a good British tag team and, and have like a, like a, like them and maybe the coffee brothers as a tag team or something. I feel like that could be, could have legs, but I don't see them doing that ever. 
Um, I wish they would just do more with McIntyre, and maybe this will be his rumble, but he's been a guy I've been high on for a while, and they just never seem to boost him. Yeah, I, doesn't it feel, though, like over the last few years where it's always been Lesnar, Reigns, Rollins, and Ambrose, and then you've got like your Corbins, your Bray Wyatts, who like f- filter in and out of the kind of main event feuds. And then you look around at some of the people who they've, and you know, and, and AJ as well. Um, and then you look at guys like Daniel Bryan, you look at Drew McIntyre, guys they could really, Andrade, the guys that they could really do stuff with if they would just push and give it a prolonged push as a champion or in a title feud. And they never quite get around to it. Like Bobby Lashley, why haven't they done him versus Lesnar yet? Like, even if they don't want to beat Lesnar, that uh, that as a spectacle and as a feud, if built up right, would be amazing. I think that's coming this year. I think Lashley and Lesnar's coming this year. That's my bold prediction for 2020. I do too, because I saw an interesting quote from Bobby Lashley where he basically said, I do all the shitty storylines uh, that <laughs> they ask me to because I want the Lesnar match. I'm yeah. para- paraphrasing, but that was, that was basically <laughs> what he said. And he even, I think he even name dropped the sister angle as well. So, is what it is, I suppose. I'd, um, I'd have to check the source on that, though, because I just saw it somewhere. So, it could easily be a made up quote as well. It, he's He said things, I mean, that that's a fair paraphrase. Um, it, he said things essentially like they want him to show a more range of emotions so when he gets to the Lesnar Lesnar match people will be kind of more invested and it's not just like two ass kickers going at it like they can see what Lashley has gone through with the sisters with the wedding stuff and so it it adds more to the the Lesnar match I don't know how much of that is true if he's just trying to justify it in his own head but that's kind of his overall quote that that he was portraying but see to me that makes zero sense so (laughs) Just to quickly go off on a tangent again, um, when they recently did the Becky Lynch where she was losing confidence because Oscar, like, I get what they were trying to do because Oscar's beaten her. I get, and I kind of commend them for trying something different with Becky so she doesn't go stale. But ultimately, people want to see badass Becky from like a year ago where she had blood down her face versus unbeaten Oscar from a couple of years ago who was beating and killing everyone. And they've done a good job of repairing Oscar recently. And it's like, that's what they want to see. They want to see the MMA badass Lesnar who's smashed everyone versus Bobby Lashley when he came in, not Bobby Lashley who's had his sisters and the Lana angle and all that. Do you see what I mean? Like people want to see the biggest badass versus the biggest badass, not, Lana's side piece right I and like I agree with that it's just this is what they're doing with Lashley they're they're trying to get him to to do different things and trying to show that he's not just a huge badass sometimes like like Corey Graves kind of ranted about it on his podcast like just let badasses be badasses like we don't need them to be in these kind of goofy little storylines like this yeah but that's that's what they do <laughs> uh, and then next up we've got the dog food on a pole match no it's a 
uh, fours count anywhere match, Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. I I think Corbin ends up winning this, and I don't know why you're going to have Reigns take another loss, but I think, spoiler alert, Reigns wins the Rumble. So you have Corbin beat him here, and then you do the match down the line of, well, you know, I beat you three times, one-on-one. I don't know if it's three times, at least twice, assuming he wins here. And then, you know, put your WrestleMania title shot on the line. So you do, like, that's just paint by numbers WWE booking. And that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, me too. I'm expecting something similar. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Oscar. I th- I'm torn on this. I think Becky wins. I would be ecstatic if Oscar wins. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think they're going to go with Shayna versus Becky at Mania. I do too. Um, which makes me think that Becky's going to win. But I wouldn't be against there being some sort of like shitty finish where Asuka gets a little bit screwed, even if it's not an interference, but like uh, one of those ones where the shoulder's up, but the ref counts three anyway, so they can run it back after Mania and maybe do like in the pay-per-view after Mania, they could do like a triple threat between Shayna, Becky, and Oscar or something. Um, I don't really want... But then Oscar's going to be defending the tag team titles, you'd hope, at Mania as well. So hopefully they do something good with the tag team titles. I'm going to go with Becky because I think Becky versus Shayna, they've teased that as the money women's match at Mania. Yeah. Uh, Bailey versus Lacey. I think Bailey wins. I really can't imagine Lacey winning. I think they're doing Bailey and Sasha at Mania. Um, when do you think she turns? Do you think she does turn, or do you think she just wins the Rumble? I think it's Elimination Chamber. Like they got a lot of history at Elimination Chamber, and I think that's when you you kind of do the turn. You know, the Elimination Chamber was they won the tag team titles there last year. They did the the Lion King spot, as I, as I like to call it, a couple years ago. So they, they've got some history there, and I think that's the place where you can do the turn. Okay. Uh, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. I hope Bryan wins. I, I think Bray wins. Disgraceful. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm absolutely disgusted by that answer. Absolutely disgusted. Are, you, are you not a Daniel Bryan fan? I am. Are you just I, a bigger I love, fan of love Daniel Bryan, but I won't have a word said against the fiend. Okay, the, fair, the fair man, enough. The man is a creative genius. <laughs> Look, um, I'm not doubting the man's creativity. He's been cooled off since SummerSlam. Yeah, it's their poor booking. Yeah, Fun, the Firefly Funhouse segments are still awesome, though. Yeah. Okay, uh, women's rumble. Who's who? You got. Uh, based on who's in it, Charlotte, because yes, only like Charlotte five women Charlotte. in it right now. Uh, I think Shayna Baszler ends up ends up winning it, but they've got five women announced for this thing. Yes, madness. I think they're going to have a lot of surprises in the women's win by the looks of it. Um, I feel like the, the last three will be, or the last four will be Shayna, uh, Charlotte, and Sasha with one other, like a Trish Stratus or someone, you know, like a legend. They'll be the four, and then the winner will be Sasha or Shayna, depending on which way they want to do it. Okay. If, they, if they're going to do the, like what you said with Elimination Chamber, then they'll go with Shayna. If they want to do it as more of a slow burn where Sasha wins it, they both kind of celebrate as if, well, 
I'm the champ and she's the number one contender. No one can touch us. And then it slowly kind of develops into Sasha kind of, nah, I'm taking your title, title, love. But, um, okay, men's rumble. Uh, I keep coming back to Roman. I, I think it's I think it's Roman. There there's possibilities, but ultimately I just keep coming back to Roman. Do you think it would be a mistake if they have the Roman beat the Fiend? I know you'd want the title off the Fiend, but from I mean from Roman's point of view as a character, as a babyface character, do you think it's a mistake for him to beat the Fiend clean at Mania? I don't think I think it's a mistake to, for anybody to beat the fiend clean right now because the the guy's invincible. Like, what's it gonna take? I don't. And this is kind of my problem with the fiend is they built him to this complete monster that it's gonna take a, a, a tank. You're gonna need Rusev's tank to beat this guy. And, and like, I'm not gonna buy it if Roman hits like 15 Superman punches and 15 spears. I mean, maybe I'll buy it, but at the same time, like who wants to see all that? Yeah. It's just like, that's part of my problem with the fiend is just his, his booking, like you mentioned. So yeah, would it be a mistake? Yeah. So, so would it be a mistake if Roman beats him clean? Yeah, probably because they've just built him in such a way. And then otherwise you're doing like kind of a gimmick match, but this dude survived like falling into electrical equipment and in hammers and chairs. Like what, what's it take to beat this guy? Yeah. It's uh, they, they've put themselves in a corner and I wonder whether they've done it for a reason so that Braun can take the title off him at some point next this year, like after mania. Roman, Um, Roman should just hit one Superman punch and that'd be it. And then it should just tell that the, and then the turn Superman heel. punch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then turn heel, sure. But it should just tell that the Superman punch is the most devastating maneuver in all of wrestling history, that the fiend can survive anything and everything, but one Superman punch yeah. lays him out. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Um I think Roman Reigns will win it. I also think that's a mistake. Uh, for Roman, I feel like Roman can be in a top top feud at Mania without winning the Rumble and without having to face the Fiend or Lesnar. I wouldn't be I'm against. I wouldn't be against seeing the Fiend squash Lesnar either, but that's another story. <laughs> um, I think I would like to see uh, Drew McIntyre win it. I'd be if, fine with that. Um, if they wanted to really go out of left field and just pick, like, go with someone no one's expecting, I think that Matt Riddle or uh, Keith Lee would both be good picks. Yeah, I, I would love if, if Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre, any of these guys won. I, Build I someone hope, new, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, someone new would be great. Like, this is this is the perfect opportunity to build someone new. I hope that we do see, like, a Matt Riddle, Brock Lesnar face-off, and then... Riddle we, Goldberg. We, no, no Goldberg, no Kane Velasquez. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want that stuff for Lesnar. Like, I want Lesnar against someone new and fresh. I don't. No, no, I mean Riddle versus Goldberg. Oh like yeah, a, yeah. Like a face off in the in the Rumble. Yes, I'm fine with that. That that would be that would be great as well. I I don't want Lesnar facing these rehash people at yeah. WrestleMania. I want and new I people. Like, 
yeah, I got a feeling that's what we're going to get. I think Kane is going to be there and he's going to, Velasquez, not big red machine, uh, is going to eliminate Lesnar and that's going to set up the Mania match and whatever. Yeah, I think Riddle's going to be number two in the Rumble, I got to say. Um, I hope so. I hope you're right. That would be a real cool moment. Okay. Um, Jeremy, thank you for joining me, mate. Uh, plug your shit. Thank you for having me. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88. You can check me out on fightful.com. They're every day writing something power rankings, AEW power rankings, real sports, the, the way they should be done. Yes. Uh, the way they should be done every Thursday at five, the distraction podcast with the great Joel Holbert every Thursday at, I think we're on at seven. It's only been one week in this time slot. I don't have it down completely. Pretty sure it's at seven. But Thursdays. Thursday, I just take over in the afternoon the, the Fightful main page. And so, yeah, check out Fightful.com. Check out the Ace Nation podcast, Ace Podcast Nation. Always great stuff from side, doing a little bit of everything. And, yeah, thanks again for having me, man. No worries at all. Uh, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation. Facebook.com slash AcePod, uh, Nation. And uh, yeah, subscribe on youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. That's the best way to currently support us and uh, all audio at all the usual places. Um, you can check out our unscripted and uncensored shows with UFC, UFC star Brett John and uh, a guy described by Dana White as the best export out of the UK, Jack Tankshaw, Berators, Tom Mearns, Cage Warriors Rising Star, Oban Elliott, as well as many more. And uh, I recently interviewed uh, investigative journalist and author Harry Harris about his book, The Killing of Emiliano, Emiliano Sala, which was uh, a real interesting interview. And uh, as people were very interested in it because lots of people downloaded it and lots of people uh, watched it on YouTube. So check it out with video and audio. Uh, there's a lot of new information in that which you maybe didn't know before about the death of Emiliano Sala, footballer of Cardiff City, who's the, the year anniversary has just passed. Jeremy, top man, thank you. You are always welcome. Anytime. Show. Anytime. Top man. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Podcast Network.